All right, we're all set for another episode of the Georgia Podcast. Rich Casanova alongside Michael Moore. Michael, is this going to be an amazing one or what? As always, Rich, we're going to have a great time here talking to another one of these business leaders from our community right here on the uh, Process Georgia Podcast. And uh, we're going to do, learn some interesting things about entrepreneurship and how to grow, get a business to the Inc. 500, maybe hey. once or twice. Yeah, I'm going to take notes on this one. So Andy Goldstrom is joining us in the studio. Andy, uh, give us a little bit of a, a teaser of what we're going to be talking about today. or what? Tell us about your company, actually. You're the managing partner at MidCourse Advisors. What do you all do over there? Yeah, first, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, excited to be here. And at Midcourse Advisors, we help companies make adjustments along their journey so that when they're trying to grow, they don't get stuck, they don't make mis- uh, mistakes that keep them from achieving their goals. And you're gonna be, we're going to be hearing a lot about that coming up in this episode of the Georgia Podcast. Stand by. Welcome to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by... Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production, and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Now join Rich Casanova, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. All right, we're back, and as we mentioned, uh, we've got a good show lined up here for you today in our uh, new Atlanta uh, podcast studios. And uh, Michael Moore, so uh, introduce our rock star we have here today. Uh, I'm going to do that again. It's Michael Moore here on the Georgia Podcast, and we are all set to chat with Andy Goldstrom and uh, managing partner of Midcourse Advisors. Now, during the course of the day, we're going to just weave his bio into the process because he's got some fabulous things he wants to share with us today about B2B services, and we're going to an opportunity for you to learn how to really grow your business. But Andy serves as managing partner of Midcourse Advisors. Uh, he and his team grow profitably, and they do it fast. And we're going to learn about that because he's been part of two companies that made it to the Inc. 500 fastest growing list. He's an expert at selling and serving in any kind of B2B industry, and he's a sought-after business partner and speaker and a, around the globe. And we're going to learn some special tricks about how he performs at a high, high level for those folks in his audience. So, Andy, you make companies grow, and you do it very impactfully. So how in the world do you get a company to grow strongly? We work very closely with companies, and what we do is we um, – I've put together over 30 years some really good tools and methodologies based upon the experience that I have about what not to do, not just what to do. And a lot of companies, what they do is they think they have a great solution. They come up with a widget or a service. Um, And they really haven't tested if there's a demand for the service, if it's unique and if it's valuable. Um, And so what an entrepreneur really isn't doing is trying to develop a product that can make them a lot of money. What they're trying to do is develop something and manage the life cycle of the risk. So if you if you manage the risk down where there's less, you know, you have a ton of risk when you're first starting and you work through the cycles to to make the risk go away, um, then you'll end up with a more successful venture. And, and a lot of people have, whether whether it's an ex, a, a brand new company with a new concept or a large, medium or larger size company that's trying to roll something new out, you really have to identify what the problem is and really understand where the pain point is. You really have to understand what your unique value proposition is you have to understand what channels you're going to use, and you have to manage the financials around that. 
And a lot of people jump to the solution first. Right. You really have to understand the problem first. And both Inc. 500 companies I was with, we were fortunate enough that we found a pain point in the marketplace. We were able to um, create a unique value proposition that was very different and disruptive in the industry. And then we were actually able to secure some early customers that minimize that risk. <laughs> well, test and measure, test and measure. So getting new customers makes uh, the test a little bit better now. Uh, for the po- those out in the audience that don't understand what an Inc. 500 uh, company is, would you share a little bit of background and story of uh, – now, you got to two of them. That's something that most people would never be a part of. Yeah, I, 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 I feel pretty lucky that I got into situations where – uh, where I had the ability to do that, but I also performed. Uh, I I had good people around me that I worked with, other other good partners uh, mm-hmm. as well. Um, but the Inc. 500 is, uh, you know, Inc. Magazine and Inc. Corporation. They basically have a a, um, a measurement right. of the top 500 privately held companies in the country and, and those, those that are have the fastest top-line growth. growth. Right. Yeah. Change, changing revenue streams, number of people. Go ahead, Rich. Well, speaking of growth, I mean, you have the track record to uh, to back all this up. I mean, in some cases, you grew uh, top-line from $70 million to $100 million. That's a pretty uh, aggressive growth, and that represented in profit from a $10 million to a $17 million. Uh, that's not an easy task to accomplish. We had an interview yesterday that was interesting. Um, the, the guest was talking about it's one thing to get to a, like an 80% mark, but to get to the 85 to 90% with what you're trying to achieve, that's where you know the rubber hits the road. That's where the real challenge is, right? Because it's not easy to get to 80% of your goal, uh, Right. But I mean, so what were some of the struggles or what were some of the takeaways of how do you get to that, you know, grow by 30 million? And that was within about a three-year period. It was less than three years, actually. And that was the second Inc. 500 company. And it was one, the first Inc. 500 company was a a real estate services business. The second one was a recycling business. Okay. And the first one I was a, 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 a partner in. Uh, an original partner in, whereas wow. the second one I actually took over for the founder who wow. brought the company to adolescence but kind of couldn't take it to the next <laughs> yeah, level and right. needed somebody to help do that. And so the second one was actually in a two-year period increasing revenue by 30% and, and EBITDA by or profit by 70%. And and literally it was, it was um, managing all of the things closely and and implementing some new products and services that were really uh that really uh hit the market leveraging our existing client base and and two entirely different kinds of industries here as you said in the real estate brokerage business you have a lot of services you're depending upon clients and repeat clients if whether it's commercial or residential but you're also looking at measuring their successes and growing those up today many people don't get their operations tight enough and they don't understand what their risks are so talk about some of those experiences Sure. Um, when a company starts growing, if it's a new company, the communication channels and the way that people are managed and led changes very much. And so if you have a brand new company and you're one to three people and you're all kind of the owners, you know, someone had the idea and was the visionary, somebody kind of manages the operation, somebody's the sales guy and they all kind of pitch in or, or, or gal, male or female, yeah. um, 
everybody knows everything. Everybody's talking. Everybody's in the same room. Right. Well, what happens when you get to uh, there, there's studies that have been done? What if when you get from eight to eight to ten people, all of a sudden the paradigm changes in terms of the communication channels and how 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 you need to be able to to work effectively? And then when you get from forty to fifty or above a hundred, so you have to really be able to. Um, in order for a, a founder to be able to let go because they are trying to manage the risk and want to know as much as everything they can to be able to manage the risk day to day, they have to be able to create some sy- systems to be able to operate so they have confidence in the way that the work is being handled and then have trust in the people to be able to execute the work. Well, that, that all starts when the culture of the company gets founded from that first three people before it gets terribly tangled up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really resonating. I know some organizations that are, uh, uh, are are trying to grow into that next phase, and it's not as easy as you might imagine. So um, hearing your, your story of how you took over that company and uh, the founder to getting to the next level, you're like the original Marcus Lemonis, the prophet or whatever, right? I mean, that's kind of uh, what he does in many cases, you know, steps in and, uh, tur- you know, not turns around a company, but takes them. He sees uh, the value and the opportunity and really runs with it, right? Yeah, the uh, I've seen him on television and yeah. in publications, and uh, he certainly does a great job and is very well known. I'm yeah. not looking for, <laughs> you know, necessarily turnaround situations, though I have helped some companies that all of a sudden lost a major client and were in the red and needed to figure out what to do. Uh, but most of it is people who just, um, you know, haven't, necessarily managed an entire business by themselves and and they're trying to focus on the right things in order and and I offer you know um, a ton of experience on what to do and what not to do um, most people who are consultants like myself tended to have corporate jobs and they tended to just decide they didn't want the corporate life anymore but they haven't had the same struggles that I had that a business owner has and then uh, and then uh, you know, I offer expertise as well as objectivity and flexibility. So I have a way to work with different clients, my, me and my team, you know, to be able to, to, to launch yeah. people forward. They just don't have that skill set. So let's, let's move forward here to, a, to the next topic here. So uh, you've been at this for quite a while. So I'm interested, and our listeners will be interested as well, what trends uh, do you see in companies, uh, you know, uh, that can take the best, you know, take advantage of uh, to succeed? Yeah, so I, I, um, I, I, when I work with companies, what I try and do is make sure that they're looking, uh, not just looking um, myopically in their day to day work that they can they can bog them down. Whether you're a leader or a manager or an associate, um, you have to understand everything around you, the competition, the trends that are going on. And so what I try and do when I work with clients is no matter the size of the business, you have to understand where the jobs are going, where the demand is for for different jobs, because that's where the services are going to be headed and where the needs are. And so um, um, just as an example, the top 30 markets in the country, 40% of the population lives there, 60% of the jobs have been created there in the last five years. So, so if you're trying to provide service, you got to go where the people are who are going to consume those services. And the three mega trends that I try and focus on, the first one is demographics. So there's a rat going through the, to the, the front end and the back end of the snake. 
the back end, <laughs> and it depends which end the, you want. I got the picture. Can we focus on the front end? <laughs> yeah, it depends upon which end you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the but one end is you know. Uh, the baby boomers are getting older. You know, I'm the I'm one. Watch of the, out now! Watch out! I'm I'm one of the last of the baby boomers, but I'll I'm you know I'm 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 wait, a wait. baby boomer as well. And and those people who are retiring need financial services. They need senior living. They need health care. Uh, they need um, lots of services that. Um, Given the numbers of people who are retiring who have the, who need those services, the, that's where the demand is going to be. So, if you provide a product or a service right. that's focused in those markets where the where the jobs and people are living and being created, and you can provide those services, chances are you'll 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 have more success because there's demand to solve a problem. Same thing on the front end with millennials and Generation Z. Those people are moving into the city. They tend to. Uh, care about having an impact in their life more than just going up the the ladder, um, and and they consume they consume you know apartments and right. healthy food and, and exercise and, and, and classes entertainment and, and entertainment and yeah. so the, so those are you know those are that those are demographic trends that, to pay attention to. The second one is technology. If we were sitting in this room 15 years ago and we wanted to put out a software product that was that was scalable, it probably would have cost us uh, a decent sized one. It right. probably would have cost mm-hmm. us a million bucks. Right. And the reason is is because the cost of the talent, the cost of the hardware, the cost of the software, um, and the, the time the, and the configuration and the time all add to that. You can do that now with a tenth of that cost, right. maybe less than a hundred grand. And what that means is. There's more of it out there that, that there are less barriers to entry to be able to do that, and there are more uh, there are more apps and more technology to actually drive growth and, and drive operational excellence and efficiency. The third one's regulation. I just wanted to Ooh. make sure to get all three in. So yeah. cybersecurity, cybercrime, security, all the online stuff that's going on with you know that has gone on with Facebook. Um, there are jobs, you know, if you're in Midtown Atlanta, if you're in San Francisco, some of the best, um, fastest growing companies are those that are involved in the in, in all uh, in 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 all the online protection that's required, um, as well as you know um, uh, security with uh, municipalities and. Uh, it's, it's a giant growth product. We got we've got so many vacancies in, in technology misses where we don't have the people to fill the slots, right? And we don't have the expertise. So, in the street. so when it comes to demographics, technology, and regulation, those are important trends, right? To really follow, and if it can fit within your business growth pattern, chances are you'll be able to to, to have more demand for your products or services. And a quick note before Michael, you jump in with that question about the model is that uh, the first point you had about demographics. I was reading a, a blog by a local business success story, David Cummings, he was talking specifically about that topic about um, if you're a startup, you've got to identify the city that's going to fit, uh, mm-hmm. that is in a fast growth mode, that's going to have all the resources. It's, it's one of those, B, what I call BFO, blinding flash to the obvious, right? <laughs> but it's like you mentioned um, early on, like uh, starting with a widget, you got to find out the problem first, right? right. In Correct. this case, you got to find out, is this city going to provide uh, do you need to be in Silicon Valley or do you need to be in South Beach, right, based on what you're bringing to the marketplace and all of the talent that's up there and, and uh, so forth and so on? So, Well, that's back to the risk. And you have an offensive model for companies to figure yeah. out where they go and how they do it, I assume. That, that yes. will help us out with figuring out how to understand 
where to see the next opportunities. So there are a lot of companies out there that are very reactive. You know, they don't see what's coming to them um, for what they can't control, which a lot of us can't, but but they 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 don't see the trends or what's going to impact them from a, a customer service stamp from a from a competitor standpoint as well as a regulatory standpoint or other things that are going on macroeconomically. Um, what I try and do is uh, um, I'm originally from the Northeast. I kind of have a go-getter kind of aggressive kind of personality in terms of getting stuff done. And so I've kind of put together a program that I call business offense. And what it really does is it helps whether it's a new division or a, or a new company, it helps allow a company to grow by um, channeling the highest and best use of people's time and, and, and resources. And, you know, whether resources are finite, it, time, money, uh, people. Um, and so the business offense system is predicated on two things. It's one, having the visionary people or the founders or the leaders really spend their time as they grow predicting the future. And so what that means is it means spending time with key customers and influencers it means having a vision for the company, and it means focusing on the strategy of the company and where the company's going. It's not doing all the day-to-day -day stuff every day, even though you know how to do it. So if you're going to be able to do that, though, you need to be able to leverage others. And we talked about it earlier, how you, you grow from eight, you know, from three to eight to 10, or if you're in a larger company, you know, growing from 100 or, you know, to 200 right. or 1,000 to 2,000. You've got to have operational capability where you can actually systematize what you're doing, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 <laughs> rule, right? And there are systems that you can put in place and technology that you can leverage. And, what, and, and then what you have to do is you have to be able to delegate to the appropriate people, having the right butts in the right seats or right. the right people on the bus. And so when that all happens, what happens is your, your people who are closest to the customer get ideas and have the capacity and the willingness to be able to bubble those up to help propel the company forward. And they're closer to the customer because they have confidence in what they execute on a day-by-day -day basis and can actually spend more time with the customer as opposed to putting out fires. Just want to remind our listeners who's listening to the Georgia Podcast, Rich Casanova here in Atlanta Podcast Studios on the Pro Business Channel Networks, alongside uh, my buddy Michael Moore. We're having a conversation with the managing partner at Midcourse Advisors. That's Andy Goldstrom. And we've got about 10 minutes left in the show. We've got four minutes to go through, so we're gonna I'm going to be the taskmaster, keep everybody on track. So, Andy, let's pivot now. To, let's talk about um, how companies maximize their value, talking about cash flow, maximizing that, and preparing for an exit. Because I remember the first time I heard somebody say, when you start, you've got to have an exit strategy. I'm like, dude, I'm just getting my business. I'm passionate, excited about this business. And you're talking about me exiting the business? Talk to us about that that mindset and how you help uh, advise companies. Sure. I work with uh, a number of companies that uh, come to me and they basically say, you know what, we're kind of tired and or or we're ready to retire or the business isn't doing so well and we want to sell right now or we want to find a part, you know, we want a partner. And I basically tell them, hey, I'm, I'm ready to help you, but you probably came to me a year too late. Wow. And the reason is, is because if you want to maximize the value of your company, you have to have a, you have to understand your exit strategy. And so, what I talk about with and what's involved in an exit strategy, and when I 
work with people, I try to um, provide enough time and fortify a number of key areas. So one is just understanding how much money they want to get out of it and what kind of legacy they want to leave. Meaning, do they uh, are they trying to set up some kind of uh, sponsorship or fund or or uh, or do something with their time when they retire? What what is it that they want to do where they're where they're, where they're leaving a legacy in the business that they're leaving behind, feeling good about it, feeling good about the next phase, as opposed yeah. to stepping off the ledge because something isn't working right or they have no idea what what they want to do and then they get itchy and want to come back. So we're trying to understand what that financial as well as legacy part of it is. And then you have to understand that if you're if you're going to sell a company or you're going to hand it off to somebody in your group, you have to have you have to have uh, 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 you have to have resources in place. So you have to have cash in the bank. You have to have financial vehicles. You have to have technology in place. You have to have um, um, a lot of things that will uh, enable a, a business to sustain in that way from an infrastructure standpoint. O- office locations. Um, um, support systems. Then you have to have sustainability. So that means you have to have a variety of customers, not all in one basket. And yeah. you have to have a good pipeline of customers so that you know that your business is going to continue and prosper. Third thing is processes. So we talked about operations. So it's you have to have the methodology and the systems in place to continue to scale. And the fourth thing is you need the team. You need you need <laughs> right. the leadership team who can take over for you when you leave. So all eleven of those, <laughs> right? So so if so so if someone comes in and just says to me, you know, I just want to maximize my cash flow or I want to grow my business by X, I take that into consideration as a goal. But I kind of look whether they're in a public company, you know, in, in a leadership role in a public company or a private company, whether it's big or small, just kind of looking out to where their, their, where their end game could be allows them to plan and put those other things in place. And then you can step back and look at all the other goals and what it takes to get there. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show about some of the interests you have, and we talked about uh, investment. I know you were an investment banker with a large international bank. Uh, certainly, you you're now imparting wisdom to the the new generation. I understand you are working with Georgia Tech, uh, excuse me, Georgia State as a as a professor there and uh, and teaching some classes. Talk to us a little bit about why you decided to give back and what that looks, what that look, looks like to you right now. Yeah, I um I actually have a class tonight. I really really enjoy I'm on that class. Yeah, <laughs> I really really enjoy uh, teaching. My mother and sister were both teachers, and I really enjoyed seeing. Um, the feedback that they got. Uh, my mother is still in touch with some of the adult, you know, she's been retired for 20 years and she still is in touch with some of her students because of the impact that she had. And for a long time, I was traveling around the country and around the world. I really wasn't stationary. Um, running my own business now, I have the flexibility to, 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 to manage my time. And I teach a class once a week. And I, I wanted to be able to, we were talking about the I wanted to be able to give back, but I also wanted to stay in touch with right. the, 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 you know, millennials are going to be 40% of our workforce <laughs> by 2025. I wanted to understand what they, what's driving them. And, and what's, what's made me, I think, an effective teacher is I have the anecdotes. I've yeah. made the mistakes. Right. I can, I can relate to it as opposed to the text. And our, our, and our, our curriculum is really based upon projects, project specific. So they actually go out in the world and, 
figure out what they, what they want to do. And a number of students have actually launched their own businesses based upon the principles in this class. And I've learned some things too. I know what, I know who Lizzo is. I guess she won some things <laughs> right. in the Grammys. And I, know, I learned the words dope and whack. <laughs> well, it, it keeps you uh, in the game, so to speak. So gentlemen, we've got about two more minutes and two more quick, quick questions here. Well, I was wondering, I know you want to, you want to pass through it. We talked a little bit about in the back room, in the green room a little bit. You, you've got a book coming out. So, and it's got a title, which is very intriguing as well as tells us why you're good at what you do. So share a little bit about that. Yeah, I realized I've packaged some of um, what I've done, including business offense. But what I wanted to do was actually um, be able to put everything uh, that I've learned in one book and have it uh, be entertaining as well as have a lot of tools and methodologies that people could use and and reference. And so I put together a, a book that's coming out shortly. It's called The 10 Deadly Sins of Growing Your Company. Wow. So it's based upon, <laughs> yeah, it's based upon 10 things that you, you know, need to do well or shouldn't, you shouldn't know, do it all. Shouldn't do it all in order to grow your company. And, and three of them that I, you know, focus on when I talk on podcasts or talk in front of groups or identifying the right problem. We talked about that a few minutes ago, uh, gaining attention and traction out of the gate. Uh, there's an inflection point where you actually uh, can gain, uh, you've gained enough uh, traction to actually float your business and know that you have enough demand and know that it's stable and there's studies on that. And then developing the right partnerships. There are a lot of, there's a way to extend your reach if you do it properly. There are a lot of people who will form a partnership with somebody who thinks can get them a lot of sales or a lot of reach and then they sit back and wait for it to happen and it doesn't happen and they wonder why and so there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do that all right, all right we got uh, last question this is the one i've been looking forward to asking you about so uh apparently according to your bio you're an aspiring comedian i'm not going to ask you to tell me a joke right but talk to us about how does that uh, uh impact your uh in your in business well, I, I'm an aspiring amateur comedian. Okay. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Don't leave your day job. Yeah. Right. But, but uh, I enjoy it, and I've learned a lot from it, and I, um, and I have performed at the Punchline in town. So, um, But the, the reason I got involved was my dad and I went to a lot of comedy clubs. We're both kind of sharp-witted, and, uh, and he died in 2015. <laughs> okay. And um, it was my way of kind of reconnecting with him and, and also pursuing something that, uh, you know, that, that, that would be fun and a little bit out of the box for me. And the reason, I, and, and part of, part of what I've, um, part of the reason I did it was to make myself uncomfortable. Right. That's right. That's right? How, if you put yourself in uncomfortable positions, you grow. Absolutely. And the other reason was, uh, I actually learned, you know, I, I learned early on how important every word counts in a proposal or the way you communicate, uh, the way you present. And when you're doing a joke, the structure of the joke, okay. the way you write the joke, the way you communicate, the way you make eye contact right. um, are things that you can take with you anywhere you communicate, okay. anywhere you sell, anywhere you present, even right. if you're in your family situation. <laughs> and you can measure the response from the audience, in this case, the live audience at the punchline, but in business, your customers, how they're uh, interacting to your proposal, what you're, um, if you're grabbing their attention, as you said earlier or not, right? Sure. And I can read a bad joke pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've done a few. So guys, we're, we're out of time here, but I do want to say, uh, again, Andy, thanks for being here. And uh, how would folks reach you on online? What's the best point of contact? All that good stuff, yeah. Yeah, um, thank you. My um, website is midcourseadvisors.com, uh, and my uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. 
You can see my comedy on YouTube if you look up my name. <laughs> uh, and uh, my email is agoldstrom at midcourseadvisors.com. And my phone number, welcome to uh, talk to anybody, see if I can help them out in any way, shape, or form, is 770-633-2260. 770-633-2260. Perfect. Home address, social security number, yeah. <laughs> Weight and height. <laughs> Weight, exactly, yeah. Shoe size. Bank account. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget the shoe size. All right. <laughs> Rich, size. this has been great. Right, Michael? Uh, this has been an awesome one. Look forward to our next episode. Again, uh, Andy, thanks for your time and your uh, expertise. I've taken some notes. I'm sure audience as well. We'll see you on the next episode of the Georgia Podcast. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel, we thank you for listening to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com and by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Join Rich Casanova for the next Georgia podcast and download on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.